you start getting these endorsements from companies like McDonald's, and then you walk away from those deals. It cost me literally millions of dollars, but I said I did not come to make the most amount of money. I came here to be centered in my heart, and this doesn't sit well with me. I cannot be a part of something that my heart really dislikes. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for giving the show a listen, or a view, or a download, wherever it is in the world that you are. We appreciate the fact that you are here. Would you be willing to walk away from millions of dollars to do what you felt was right? Would you do it for your health? Would you do it for the health of others and for animals? Would you be willing to walk away from millions to lead by example? Today, you will be hearing the story of Marco Antonio Rahil. He is a megastar with Spanish-speaking audiences. He's like the Steve Harvey of the Hispanic community. He hosts game shows, TV shows, on the radio. He was making millions of dollars every year in endorsements. But he walked away because it wasn't right to him. He did not buy in to what they were selling. Talking about places like McDonald's. And so today, you're going to hear Marco talk about how that cost him much of his career. But seeing how many people were obese, the rates of obesity in Mexico are through the roof. They're really on par with what is happening here in the U.S. And in some locations, it's even worse. And so here is Marco knowing that the products, the companies that he is endorsing, were very much contributing to the obesity epidemic, causing the very people who are watching him and listening to him to become unhealthy. And so he leaves all of that behind. And it didn't just hurt his bank account. It closed the door on a lot of opportunities for him professionally. But he's undeterred. And today he is carving his own path. He is reaching large audiences all on his own. And he is now a shining example of following your truth, following your heart, and following a healthier path can still lead you to success. And I am thrilled that he is on the show with us today. Also today, we will be joined by Dr. Judy Brangman. She's another one who thought outside the box very early in her medical career. She saw the pain and the suffering of patients and thought to herself, there has to be a better way. And so while it was status quo for her colleagues, Dr. Brangman hung a left. And then she began looking for the right way to treat chronic diseases. And she stumbled upon the idea of preventing them and realizing that much of that prevention begins with the food that is on her patient's plates. And from that, her persona as the plant-based MD was born. So Dr. Brangman, the plant-based MD, she is here today to share her story as well as the five nutrition tips that she lives by to stay healthy herself. Plus, Dr. Neil Barnard will be here to discuss how the body processes natural sugars, the natural sugars that are found in fruits, differently than refined sugars that we find in a lot of processed foods. So it's a popular question, a nutrition question that he will be answering when we open up the doctor's mailbag. 
But we start right now with the man who walked away from millions to do what he felt was right, and that was to go vegan and to help others along the way. He is the first guest today, and he is a megastar who went from being a hardcore carnivore to a plant-based eater with a heart of gold. Millions will recognize him as the host of popular Spanish-speaking versions of game shows like The Family Feud and The Price is Right and The Wall, and now he is the host of his own podcast called Marco. His passion for entertaining only matched by his compassion for animals. With that, we welcome Marco Antonio Rahil to the exam room live. Marco, thank you so very much for joining us, my friend. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you for having me here. I'm glad. My first question to you is one that I've always wanted to ask a game show host, and that is, that is such a niche career. I mean, that is as unique as being a pitch man for infomercials. So how in the world did you get involved with that? I grew up watching game shows. I was raised, born and raised in Tijuana, next to the border of San Diego, obviously. And uh, surely enough, I grew up watching Bob Barker doing The Prizes Right and Richard Dawson doing the, Price, the, the Family Feud. And I would watch game shows. That's, that's how I learned English, actually, watching game shows. So then later I became a radio DJ, from radio DJ to local TV host, local TV host, national radio, national TV. And then, then uh, Televisa, which is the number one network in Mexico, decided to bring in The Price is Right. And there I was, and I knew the show, like the palm of my hand. <laughs> and I got the show, and there I was, 1997, doing The Price is Right in Spanish. And then the family feud. So it's, it's really interesting. I ended up hosting the two shows I liked the most as a kid. So literally a dream come true. <laughs> yeah, what a, what a dream, man. What a dream. And I'll tell you what, uh, for us who eat exclusively a plant-based diet, you continue to leave the dream because your story is one of the most powerful that has ever been told on the show. That's why I'm so happy that you're here today. So you reach this level of celebrity as the host of these shows. Your stock goes through the roof and you start getting these endorsements from companies like McDonald's and from Nestle. And then you walk away from those deals. <laughs> Why? I mean, talk to me about this. This is like a sudden change of heart you had. I know. I can write a book, How to Destroy Your Television Career <laughs> and by Going Vegan. <laughs> I just, it just, it's just called consciousness. It's just consciousness. I, I, I grew up having a lot of, uh, like, when I was raised Catholic, and my mother would tell me about the Bible and Jesus' crucifixion and all of that. And I remember as a kid, I would cry when I would hear or I would see the, the, the images in the church of Jesus being punished. So then uh, later on, I watched movies about slavery and I, I would cry and I would really suffer in my heart when I saw what, what happened to the African people coming to the U.S. or the indigenous people down in, in the New Spain, which is now Mexico and Latin America. Uh, I would suffer seeing that. So... When uh, my dear friend Larry Moss, who was my my English speaking coach, uh, was was coaching me on learning English, he referred me to a couple of videos. One of them was the the PETA video, the uh, glass walls video. When I watched that and I saw the suffering of the animals, exactly the same thing that happened to me when I when I learned about Jesus and when I learned about slavery, the same thing happened to me. I saw the animals suffering and being punished. And I and I couldn't take it. I I, I was I, I realized that I was not only uh, cooperating with that by consuming the animals, but I was also endorsing big brands on my TV show on campaigns that were very profitable, of course. Uh, and I I had a a spiritual moment, and I said, I'm not in this planet. I didn't come here. I didn't receive the the gifts that I received from God or the universe to promote these things. So I, I, I said, I'm not going to do it anymore. So I switched that. And that was obviously that created uh, a lot of problems in my career because the sponsors are, are those people and uh, I don't have anything against them. I just don't, didn't want to participate. So that was the, the beginning of, of a big change. It's going to be 13 years, exactly tomorrow, actually 13 years of, of, of having a plant-based diet. 
Oh, man. Well, congratulations on the 13th anniversary, man. I didn't know we were going to be celebrating today. That's awesome. Um, so let's I mean, you, you you said like you joked about how to ruin your career in, in <laughs> such a short time. I mean, talk about the net effect that you did. I mean, that that must have been a huge sacrifice. Chokes aside, a huge sacrifice for you professionally. What was the effect? It is because I was, I was, I mean, I'm literally, and I, I'm not bragging about it. I'm just saying this because I want people to understand the, the amount of money that is involved in each person that is uh, endorsing these products. I used to make millions of dollars. That was, that's the dream. When you work hard on television, that's the biggest candy you get is the endorsements for, from the big brands. And, and it cost me literally millions of dollars, but I said, I did not come to this uh, life to make the most amount of money. I came here to be centered in my heart and in my loving and in my compassion. And this doesn't sit well with me. I cannot be a part of something that my heart really dislikes. And uh, so I, I, I gave it away. And that, I mean, this year I gave up on two shows already because the two shows have to do with, uh, with, with sponsors. And nowadays more and more television wants you to be, endorsing the products one of the shows i didn't do this year is a show i used to do before called minute to win it but we we didn't do it someone else is doing it in mexico because they want me literally to be like this show is sponsored by so and so and and they want the host to recommend the product so yeah it was it was a it was a big change in my career but even though it has cost me a lot of money there's something that is priceless and this is having peace inside me and knowing that I'm doing the what's 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 aligned with my heart and and I don't do it now today not only for the animals I do it for my own health I do it for the planet I do it for the workers in the in the in the, in the industry I do it for many reasons and I'm I'm just I'm just happy I mean happiness doesn't come from accumulating the most money possible it, it comes from following your heart and being congruent with your values and that's what I'm doing <laughs> Well, I'm a, I'm a glass half full kind of guy, and I'm wondering if there's a happy medium here, given the fact that we're seeing such a surge in popularity of plant-based eating. You know, we're seeing things like the Impossible Burger just go through the roof, companies like Gardein, as there are more and more of those major companies that are on board with the idea of eating plant-based. Do you think then that that could, you know, really kind of help balance out the sacrifices that you made with the path that you're on? Well, yes, I had to. That's a, that's a really good point. What I did is I became a professional investor and now I, I'm actually, I'm an investor in Beyond Meat. I invested, I, I belong to, uh, uh, two, uh, plant-based funds. One's called Plant Power Fund and the other one is Plant Power Fund 2, founded by the, the creators of the Veggie Grill. And, uh, and, and, and I'm an investor in many of the, of the plant-based brands because I've seen how, how much they're growing and I put my money in there. And uh, we're getting really good profits because uh, <laughs> those products are growing and growing and growing. And also I became an entrepreneur. So I have my own company. I have my online uh, personal development uh, academy. Uh, we have around 8,000 students now active in, in, in Mexico. And part of what I teach is uh, what we teach with the help of doctors and nutritionists. We teach about a healthy, healthy eating habits. And uh, we've been doing promotions with Vitamix. And, but it's, this is happening more in the digital world. I think that's where the present and the future is. Television has gotten stuck with big sponsors that are not necessarily the healthiest brands. Hopefully in the future, television will also end up getting sponsors that are more related to the plant-based world. Oh man, as as a, a broadcaster myself, I could I could talk about this with you all all day, but I you know I worry that the audience, their eyes are just kind of glazing over uh, with some of this stuff. Uh, but let's let's have some fun here, man, because I was looking you up before the show, doing a little show prep. I hop over on your Wikipedia page, and it says that you're fifty now. It's Wikipedia, so I kind of take yeah. everything with a little bit of a grain of salt. But assuming that you have <laughs> made 50 trips around the sun, how old do you feel? I would imagine that you feel a lot younger than that, given the fact that you are living this healthier lifestyle. If I showed you the picture of the last passport that I had before being vegan 13 years ago, I can, and you saw my picture today, I look better today than 13 years ago before being vegan. Before being vegan, I was a heavy carnivore. Not only I would endorse uh, uh, Nestle and and, uh, and McDonald's and those big big sponsors, I was eating a lot of meat. I went into the Atkins diet for about a year. I did the South Beach diet, you know, the low carb, high protein, all of that. I did it for years, and I was looking old. I was getting old by 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 all means. Uh, 
something happened when I went plant-based, not only my health changed so much, but my skin, my eyes, I mean, I haven't lost hair. I do have gray hair, but I I haven't lost my hair. I'm going to be 50, 51 in December, and I don't feel 51 or 50, and I'm doing things that I didn't do before. I, I, I ride my bicycle for for, for miles. I, I, I'm active. I have high energy. A lot of people tell me, like, how do you have that much event, that much energy? It's like, well, basically... And I mean, I'm sure it has to do with genes too. It's 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 a, it's a lot of elements, but one of them for sure. I mean, a doctor could tell me how much does it have to do with it. But being plant based, I personally think that it has helped me a lot. Well, you talk about being a a heavy carnivore uh, 13 years ago. So compare that to what it is that you're eating today. So I mean, just something as simple as what did you have for breakfast this morning? What did I have for breakfast this morning? There's a there, I'm, I'm living in Austin, Texas. Great city for vegans. And there's a restaurant called Citizen, which I love. And I had an avocado toast that has uh, the just egg, uh, vegan egg on top of it. It was delicious. And that has asparagus and other things. Uh, so I'm like cities like Los Angeles, Austin, San Francisco, New York, Boulder in Colorado. I mean, there's so many places where being vegan is so easy. And uh, so that's I, – I eat a very, very – balanced diet my only sin and i do confess is that being that there's so many uh vegan products out there i have to come back over and over to my veggies and my salads because there's so many temptations out there in the vegan world today that they were not out there 13 years ago that is is very yummy and very dangerous also to have those options back in the market so it's good news but you have to be careful <laughs> All right, let's uh let's pivot here and let's talk about something more serious that's happening right now. Obviously, that is the the COVID-19 pandemic and we do know that the Hispanic community has been hit disproportionately hard by that. In Los Angeles, you know, the latest statistics show that uh nearly half of all cases, half of all deaths there are made up with the Hispanic community. I mean, just just eye-opening numbers. And it goes to show here, Marco, that really something needs to be done and we can all do better here. Yeah, that's it's really sad because uh, it comes with poverty. It has to do a lot with poverty. People who have no money end up eating a lot of more junk food because junk food, you know, is, 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 is more accessible, is cheaper. Uh, we know that that has to do a lot with politics because there's there's a lot of subsidies that go to the junk food industry and not to veggies, not to healthy foods. And uh, unfortunately, in our in our culture, it's very common to be eating foods that are just not healthy. And there's a lot of obesity. There's a lot of diabetes. There's a lot of children of obesity. Mexico is number one in, in, in child obesity right after uh, right before the U.S., and uh, unfortunately, if you I mean, I, I used to live in Los Angeles. I lived there for like 10 years and I lived in Santa Monica and uh, which is a very privileged area by the ocean. A lot of white people, very little minorities. But I would go very often to East L.A. to do workshops and conferences. We toured the city one time with with Mayor Garcetti uh, giving financial freedom uh, workshops for free and crossing Los Angeles from Santa Monica to East LA is a completely different world. It feels like a completely different uh, country itself. You would go into those schools and you would see that most, almost everyone was overweight. Almost everyone was not eating healthy. Almost everyone was feeling sick and taking tons of pills. And it's, it's just a different reality. So the problem is that unfortunately, the medical education, the health education, the quality of foods, the the, the, the little exercising uh, that people in the minor minorities in the U.S. have is so low that obviously they're more sub subjectable to 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 getting sick when COVID nineteen hits. So you just mentioned childhood obesity in Mexico. Adults there, pulling some stats, you know, three quarters are either overweight or obese. We're talking about numbers very similar to here in the U.S. And here in the U.S., the interesting thing is, despite the obesity epidemic, there is still, by and large, this big stigma, this taboo surrounding vegan diets. So when you do speak to members of the Hispanic community, how is that message received? 
It's received well because it's easier to talk to our people because we have uh, the roots of beans and rice and lentils and plants. You have to remember that before the Spaniards got into what was called the New Spain, then it became Mexico and Guatemala and Central America and all of that, uh, the, 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 the indigenous uh, ways of eating were basically plant-based, where it was based on beans and lentils and, and, and vegetables. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's an organization of doctors in Mexico that they're promoting what's called La Dieta de la Milpa, which means the, the crop diet, basically, which is going back to our roots. So when you talk to them, it's easier to reconnect them with, with their roots. Now, what's not easy is for them to get quality foods, meaning organic foods, getting, uh, you know, things like Beyond Meat is too expensive. Like the, the processed vegan or plant-based options are too expensive, definitely, for people who have less money. So the, 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 the bridge there has to be built into talking to them about not the processed vegan foods, but going back to the roots, to the le less expensive, which are the healthiest options, the, the whole foods, plant-based diet, you know, that is the key. So that's what I focus on because the, the objection always it is, oh, of course, you're rich, you live in Santa Monica or you live in Austin and you have money and I don't have money. And, and when, you, when you share with them that the most natural and, and whole foods are the best for them, and that is the solution, and you teach them that, and you share that with them. That's when you win on 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 giving that message. Yeah, I I, I think that that you know that whole food, plant based, whole paycheck kind of notion kind of it, it really spans across races. Uh, to be honest with you, I remember really opening some eyes when we did an episode on the exam room podcast a couple of years ago, where one of our nutritionists, Lee Crosby and I went downstairs in the office. There's a little boutique grocery store on the ground floor. We filled up an entire cart filled with whole food, plant-based foods there for two people for an entire week. The total grocery bill was just about $40. It was incredible how much mm -hmm. food you can actually buy for that money. Yes, yes. I think if you go back to the roots, to the, I mean, beyond that is, it, that's the healthiest thing. When I became vegan and, and uh, 13 years ago, there was no Beyond Meat, there was no Daya Cheese, there was no, none of these Miyoko's and all of these amazing brands that you have today. There's nothing like that. So when I went plant-based, I went vegan, I really went whole foods plant-based, meaning I was eating the real, original, natural foods. And that's when my health really excelled. Actually, I had problems later on with all, when all the processed foods, the vegan processed foods came in because I started gaining weight again because I started eating the more expensive processed foods. So I had to go back to my roots, to my original uh, 13 years ago, Marco, which is what I'm doing now, eating again the, the less expensive ones that are the original whole foods and that's the healthiest and that's the least expensive. But of course, when you talk about cheese or you talk about meat and you talk about the processed foods, vegan substitutes, that's where there's, there's a, there's a challenge, but you did it. I mean, it, it can be done. And that's, that's exactly what we need to do to be healthier. Dr. Barnard, I want to bring you into the conversation here to help us connect the dots. Mm -hmm. We're talking about obesity, even going so far as talking about, you know, putting on weight when you're eating these highly processed vegan foods. So let's talk about the risk of having a severe COVID-19 infection when you are obese, when you are overweight. Talk to us a little bit about that correlation there. Sure. Uh, having excess weight increases the risk of all kinds of problems, as you know, diabetes, certain cancers are more common. But when COVID-19 came in, one of the first things we saw is that people who were overweight seemed to be more likely to get it and more likely to have really serious problems. And the PCRM doctors who are on the front lines in the hospitals that we talked, that we're talking to all the time, say the people that are really having trouble getting off the ventilators and getting out of the hospital are the people where they carry excess weight. Part of that is because the fat cells actually express what's called the ACE2 enzyme, which is the welcome mat where the virus use, that the virus uses as a doorway into the body. And so once they're in the fat cells, it looks like the viruses replicate there. So uh, Marco's right. It's a really important thing to, to keep trim as, as much as we can. And if a person isn't trim now, then a healthy vegan diet is going to be the best way to get you there. 
And Marco, in Mexico, the lawmakers, they are really standing up and taking attention of this obesity epidemic now. For the second time in as many weeks, a state in Mexico, Tabasco now, following Oaxaca and actually banning the sale of junk food, highly processed foods like chips and candy and soda to minors. I mean, that seems like such a, a radical step, but is there a solution there? I mean, is are they on to something outlawing that and treating these types of foods and soda just like tobacco? Is, is that the step that we need to take to curb this obesity epidemic? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm so shocked and amazed in a very positive way that Tabasco and Oaxaca have done that. You're talking about the southeast of Mexico, the south of the southern Mexico area where the most poverty is. Like northern Mexico is way richer. Why? Because it's next to the U.S. and there's all kinds of financial exchanges there. The southern part of Mexico, which is next to Central America, is the one that has always been uh, struggling the most uh, with, with its economy and with its health. Uh, most of the immigrants you see here in the U.S., most of them come from Oaxaca, from Tabasco, from the states in the southern part of it. So that the government there uh, is being brave enough to confront this huge corporations that, as we know, have a lot of power, maybe less than in the U.S., but they do have a lot of power. Confronting them and taking this step is, is a huge step in the right direction. Years ago, uh, they banned uh, these products, junk food products, to be able to advertise on kids' show on television. That was like 10 years ago, and that was also a big step back in the day. But since then, there was a big gap, and nothing huge has happened until now. And I really, really hope that, I mean, Mexico City and the, the, and the whole country follows uh, Tabasco and Oaxaca. I know it's not easy, and I know they're going to get a lot, of, a lot of backlash from the, the powerful corporations, but this this has to happen. I mean, there's there's no way you can ask for prosperity in a country where people are badly educated, they don't have good medical attention, and on top of that, they're eating junk food every single day. So if we don't solve those problems in the Mexican culture, in Latin America, we're never going to get ahead. Man, and those foods, they are so addictive. They got their hooks in me very early as well. I mean, that eating that stuff in elementary school and then throughout my, my school career, I mean, that's what got me all the way up to 420 pounds at one point. You know, wow. it, it just graduated from potato chips all the way up to a $20 a day Taco Bell habit, you know, taking yeah. in 10,000 calories a day. And it began with those bags of chips yeah. and Doritos and things like that at grandma's house after mm-hmm. school. Um, before, Marco, we talk about the big event tomorrow. I got to ask you about your podcast as well. You're a fellow podcaster. How are things going with Marco? They're going well. We have uh, 130 episodes. We're in hiatus now, coming back with the fifth season in September. We have around 7 million downloads, which is huge for a podcast that talks about physical health, emotional health, healthy things. It's not a gossip talk show. It's not a sports talk show. It's not a comedy talk show. So having a podcast that is about getting better about creating a higher level of consciousness it's it's amazing so what we do in that podcast is 100% in spanish we talk about things that help you become financially free things that have to do with your physical health obviously we with a strong emphasis huge emphasis on 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 a plant based diet and we also talk about the our emotional health how we treat our emotions how we manage our 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 heads our brains in order to make our own brain our the voice in our heads our 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 ally and not our enemy so those are the three aspects for me it's like a tripod right being more in, emotionally mature in, intelligent uh being also uh savvy with with the money learning how to make money how to how to multiplicate money how to how to have financial literacy right and then the third one is is your diet is your your physical habits so that's the focus of the of the podcast and we're doing great and that was funny what you what you were saying about growing up eating junk foods that's exactly what happened to me exactly i grew up eating sausages lots of milk lots of white bread and uh my my mother used to call me the calf because I would take the gallons of milk and I would drink them like like water. And surely enough, I mean, my whole family did that. And most of my family has weight problems. And so me breaking, when, when people tell me like, oh, come on, Marco, don't be so exaggerated. Kids need to be happy. What's wrong with them having a little junk food here and there? I think about that when you were saying that, Chuck. The, the greatest gift that I would have been given as a child 
would have been to not be raised on junk foods because still now, still being vegan now, I still struggle with eating junk foods. Now they're vegan, but they're still junk foods. So the best thing, the best gift you can give to a, to a little kid from my perspective is to teach them and develop their palate to like healthy foods versus sugary uh, processed foods. You know, that's so I, I resonate with you on that. Oh man, I could talk to you all day about that. I mean, you are so spot on. I honestly, and and this is just me talking, not not the organization, but just me. I honestly do agree that things like the chips, candy bars, sodas, they should be viewed in the very same light as tobacco, knowing what we do about their addictive properties. They're one and the same and they'll kill you at about the same speed. So, you know, go figure. Uh, Thank you so very much for your time. I would love to have you back on the program again in the future, my friend. We'd love to be here. Thank you so much for everything you do. Love PCRM and it's amazing what you guys are doing. Thank you. Marco, the host, it only made sense for him to recently host a Spanish language vegan immersion with us. We had almost 6,000 native Spanish speakers sign up and learn the ins and the outs of a plant-based diet. How to go vegan. This was the first time we offered it exclusively in Spanish and it was nothing short of a huge success. So we are all super grateful to Marco for his help in putting all of that together. And just what an incredible story. Again, could you walk away from all of that money? Could you do what Marco did and leave millions on the table? It's easy to say yes to that right now as you're listening to this. Because in your mind, you're playing with Monopoly money. It's not real. It's fictitious. But for Marco, the stakes were very real. And still, and still, he chose the healthier path. That is so cool. How about a little more inspiration now? My next guest has one of the coolest titles out there. The Plant-Based MD. She is a physician on a mission to help others live healthier lives by teaching them that simple changes can prevent and even reverse the very diseases that claim millions of lives every year. She is originally from Bermuda and now practicing in North Carolina. She is the one and the only Dr. Judy Brangman, and she joined me recently on The Exam Room Live. Dr. Brangman, welcome to The Exam Room Live. Thank you so much, Chuck. I'm so glad to be here today. I'm so glad that you are here too, and I gotta start with this. I mean, you're from Bermuda. What in the world are you doing here in North Carolina? For goodness sakes, we're talking Bermuda! I know, I know. I wish I could be there on a beach right now, but such is life. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's uh, let's get serious here for a minute. Uh, In your bio this morning, when I was reading up about you, uh, you wrote very passionately about your time in residency and witnessing the devastating consequences that poor health can have on patients. What type of things were you witnessing that really stood out to you and said, hey, I need to do something here? So I trained at areas and cities of the country that have very high rates of chronic disease and advanced stages. So I spent time in Mobile, Alabama, as well as Greenville, North Carolina. And so I would see patients with end-stage chronic kidney disease, end-stage diabetes, um, liver failure, heart disease. And I would ask my attendings, well, we see the patient's with these conditions, we see how it's affecting their lives. Is there anything that we can do to prevent them from getting to this point? And they would always tell me that there's nothing that can be done that is genetic. But at that point, I didn't know about plant-based nutrition, but I was never really satisfied with that answer. And I still felt somewhere in my spirit that there had to be some way that we could potentially try and alleviate people from getting to the end stage. Because we know that once you're chronically ill, it affects your mental health. It affects your ability to work and make money, and it affects pretty much not just you, but your whole family. So to me, it was paramount for me to find out 
if this was possible. And somehow I stumbled upon plant-based nutrition. And I was completely blown away by the evidence that is out there, the research, solid research, supporting plant-based diets for preventing chronic disease and also reversing some chronic diseases. And none of this was things that I was taught in medical school or in residency. And so now I'm sort of on a mission to bring uh, traditional and allopathic medicine together, but also shed light on the benefits of using food to help the body to heal and to stay healthy. Food is medicine, as they say. Uh, the chronic diseases that you were mentioning, they they so often disproportionately affect minorities. And we're seeing that now more than ever during the COVID-19 pandemic and how in turn those diseases are increasing the risk for COVID-19. So talk to me a little bit about that, that rate and what it is that we're seeing and, and how it is that we can go about improving that. Yes, absolutely. So African-Americans have been disproportionately affected by COVID-19. With regards to many chronic diseases, the disparities exist. With regards to heart disease, African-Americans are twice as likely to die than white non-Hispanics. And with COVID-19, there's multiple reasons why African-Americans have been disproportionately affected, but in large part, it's due to higher rates of chronic diseases. So obesity, hypertension, type 2 diabetes tends to be higher in those populations. And there's also issues with access to care, uh, cultural beliefs surrounding food that exist in those communities. And so as someone who is a person of color, you know, I feel an obligation to reach that community who may otherwise be overlooked or who may otherwise not really consider plant-based nutrition as something for them. And it's interesting that right now people are asking, how can they avoid getting COVID-19 or how can they avoid getting sick? And you hear the word boosting your immune system sort of as a buzzword, although I don't really like that word. I prefer optimizing your immune system. But the things that can keep us healthy and sort of reduce our risk of COVID-19 are the same things that can reduce our risk of chronic diseases. So of utmost importance is the food that we eat. And oftentimes the food that we eat does not promote health. Sometimes the food that we eat, we're eating them to satisfy our taste buds or to satisfy our emotions and our emotional and our mental health because the foods are laden with sugar and salt and fat. And these things are addictive. And sometimes we rely on them for sort of like an emotional high. So that's why I'm on a mission to kind of really educate people because I've seen the benefits of it. My parents are plant-based mostly. I am plant-based myself. And then I've also had patients that have switched to a more plant-based diet, not even 100%. And they've had remarkable improvements in their diabetes. And I've even had a patient reverse their diabetes type 2 by going fully plant-based. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, I'm curious about those barriers that you were mentioning, the, the even so far as the cultural beliefs. When you're talking to your patients uh, who may be African-American and you're introducing, you're proposing the idea of adopting a plant-based diet to them, how do you work with them in addressing those barriers? That's a great question. Well, oftentimes they think that plant-based foods is not something that they should be eating. They think that eating meat and dairy is manly and that's what you need to eat for optimal health. A lot of my male patients think that. And so I try and get them to recognize the importance of eating fruits and vegetables. I don't harp on so much, you need to be a vegan or you need to be a vegetarian. Because what I find is that most of my patients aren't eating one or two servings of fruits and vegetables in a whole day, which is far less than what we should be consuming. So I basically start with that and basically educating them because most people don't know. You know, we live in a society where meat and dairy has been pushed as though that's something that we need for health. And that's actually not true. One of the things that we're also learning recently, uh, or I mean, it's been well known for a very long time, but it's more so coming to light now, is that people of color in underprivileged communities, they live in what is known as a food desert where access to healthy, high quality food is not available. They just don't have it. And all that's left are things like chips, mm -hmm. soda, highly processed foods, the very foods that are really sending the obesity epidemic skyward. If there were to be, and I know that this is somewhat of a, a radical idea, but if there were to be something like the ban on the sale of these types of foods in food deserts, do you think that that would improve? Because perhaps then 
it would have to, you know, force these stores then to offer higher quality, more nutritious foods to the residents? Absolutely. So redlining, food deserts, nutrition deserts are things that definitely are a factor in why the dietary patterns are different in these communities. Also, the subsidization of meat and dairy, too, is also an issue. You go to a fast food restaurant, it's cheaper for someone to get a meal there than it is for them to get a meal at a healthy restaurant. So making healthy food more affordable to these communities is also helpful. And then also the commercials. Sometimes the commercials and advertisements that you see, you know, in the billboards in these communities, most of the time they advertise unhealthy food. And so oftentimes these communities don't even have healthy grocery stores or healthy restaurants in their vicinity to go through. And if they're working two jobs and they're busy, you know, a single mom, they're not going to be able to go far out of the way to go for healthy food, particularly if they're traveling on public transportation or have other barriers to transportation. Right. And that's it's it's affecting the African-American community, the Hispanic community. Uh, we're seeing that a ton with indigenous people as well. It's it's a real problem that definitely needs to be addressed. Uh, but I want to go back really quickly to your time in medical school as well. Obviously, plant based nutrition, not part of the curriculum. Um, do you think that if doctors, the future doctors, I should say, were exposed to the idea of preventative medicine more so than just treating people with pills and surgery, do you think that would help curb the obesity epidemic and then perhaps even really put us in better shape for the future pandemic, should there be one? Absolutely. Physicians are considered to be authorities in nutrition, even though the fact is that Physicians get very little nutrition training during medical school and residency. And so if patients are coming to us for help, for health issues, they need to hear from us about nutrition because we sort of set the bar. So if a physician is not knowledgeable in nutrition and they're not practicing healthy living, they're going to be less likely to counsel their patients on it and they're not going to be comfortable. So most physicians are not comfortable speaking about nutrition with their patients. So they will refer the patient to the registered dietitian, which is great. I love registered dietitians, but sometimes they may not even be aware about plant-based diets themselves. So since I've started to learn as much as I have learned about plant-based nutrition, I make it a point to discuss nutrition with every patient because I think it's really an opportunity, even if it's a brief, you know, one sentence or two sentence that I'm telling them about eating fruits and vegetables, it can make a difference in, in their life and their overall health. All right. Let's take things home here. We said we were going to talk about nutrition goals at the top of the show. And by golly, we're going to do just that right now. Uh, browsing through your Instagram, you had this wonderful post that listed your five basic nutrition tips that you like to live by. Uh, you said, simply put, this is what you do. So I'm hoping then you can give us those five tips that we then can put into practice for ourselves. Yeah, sure. I think sometimes nutrition information gets very complicated and confusing to people. And so what happens is that they just disregard it and go with what's easy, what's, yeah, what's easier for them. So I try and make it simple. I push plants first and foremost. That's the most important thing that anyone can do to improve their health. At least half the food on the plate should be fruits and vegetables. And no fruits are not the devil, so you can't eat fruit. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, I would say the processed foods, which is another issue in America that we're consuming too much processed foods. Thirdly would be the added sugars. And so all of them, you know, sugar, white sugar, high fructose corn syrup, minimizing those or eliminating them if you can. And I know it's hard because they're in pretty much everything. And then also avoiding meat and dairy, which we know there's studies about the harmful effects of meat and dairy on our health. And then lastly, drinking water. A lot of people are getting empty calories from sugar and uh, from sugar, soda, and juice when they just need to be drinking pure, plain water. So that's my simple tips. And it's helped me and my parents live that way. And we've, we're seeing the benefits of it. Yeah. Five nutrition goals. Obviously, they're all very much attainable, very reachable. Um, if, if all of your patients were to implement those five things, how much do you think that the average person's health would improve? It would improve drastically. I, I do think, you know, I'm a general internal medicine physician. I work as a hospitalist. I think that honestly, if we were to reduce the chronic disease burden, there wouldn't be such a demand for 
physicians like myself. Like, I don't want to say like putting myself out of a job, but kind of that's kind of where we would be. We wouldn't need as much sick care because that's really what a large portion I feel of healthcare is really is sick care. So yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. And uh, you can uh, give uh, Dr. Brangman a follow on Instagram at the plant-based MD, a phenomenal, phenomenal handle. Congratulations on landing that. Um, and also I understand that coming up in a few weeks, I believe in September, you're taking part in a summit perhaps. Yes. Thank you. I'm actually planning and hosting a virtual health summit. It is geared for bringing light to healthcare concerns of minority communities. And so we have 21 plant-based health experts to talk about a variety of topics ranging from fibroids to heart disease, diabetes, COVID-19, and uh, emotional health as well. So it's covering everything for the whole family and it's free. So your followers and viewers can follow me on Facebook and Instagram to find out more, or they can go to my website and subscribe. I have a free plant-based wellness guide. So that way you'll stay in the know. And that website is theplantbasedmd.com. Dr. Judy Brangman, thank you so very much for your time. Would love to have you back on the show again in the future. Thank you so much, Chuck. I love all that you are doing and with the PCRM. The Plant-Based MD coming strong with the nutrition nuggets. Such a great nickname, the Plant-Based MD, right? So cool. Okay, one more bit of business on the show here today, and that is to open up the doctor's mailbag. It's so much fun to have the opportunity to do what essentially are doctor's visits right here on the show. And you don't need insurance, and you certainly don't have to make a copayment. All you need is to bring your questions. And we had a really good one recently for Dr. Neil Barnard. Dr. Barnard, this is a question from Lisa who checked in on Facebook and she writes, is it true that your body processes healthy carbs and natural sugars like from eating whole fruits differently than processed carbs and refined sugar? Okay, that's, that's a great question. Um, let's think about where that processed food came from. It, it, the sugar that's in it came from either sugar cane or sugar beets. And if you think about sugar cane, let's say you were to take a slice of it and try to eat it. How much of it could, could you eat? Not very much. Why? Because the sugar is coated with fiber and pulp. And, uh, and so you can eat only a very little bit of it. So to get table sugar out of it, you have to throw away all of that fiber and all that pulp and you just uh, concentrate the pure sugar alone. So if you contrast that with something like beans, starchy vegetables or fruits, take an apple. The apple has lots of fiber, lots of complex carbohydrates in addition to the natural sugar. And the difference is then that the sugar from table sugar will go straight into your blood, whereas the sugar from, say, an apple uh, will enter your bloodstream much more gradually, plus you get the, the benefits of fiber. So sugar is, is sugar, really. There are a variety of different forms it takes. They're not that dramatically different. But what does differ a lot is the packaging that they're in. And the, the word processed foods means you've processed out all of those natural packaging parts of the of the plant. So if you're removing all the fiber and you're left with just the sugar uh, alone, then you're missing what's really most helpful in that in that food. And if you ever have a question that you would like to submit for the doctor's mailbag, you can go ahead and do that. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Chuck Carroll WLC. Good for both places. Go ahead and send in your question using the hashtag exam room live. You can also follow the physicians committee at PCRM on Twitter and at physicians committee over on the gram. Coming up on the next episode of The Exam Room, we are going to learn how to unlearn unhealthy eating habits. Chef Lauren Kretzer will be here talking about the things that we have learned basically since birth, the things that we have been doing in the kitchen for our whole life. How can we break those unhealthy habits and then replace them with healthier ways? 
She will be here to help us through that, including walking us through some of the best ways that we can replace cheese in our diet. How often does that come up on the show, right? You always hear somebody say, well, I could go vegan except for the cheese. Yeah, it's hard. It's very hard. But Lauren Kretzer, she has some extraordinary ideas on breaking that cheese habit. I think that Dr. Barnard might be interested in that. (laughs) So that will be on the next episode of the Exam Room Podcast. So go ahead and subscribe to that on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. And while you're there, please also leave a five-star rating. Unlearning unhealthy eating habits. I feel like we can all use a crash course on that, to be honest with you. You know, hit a reset button in terms of our health. Refresh our body. I wonder how differently things would have played out then if that reset button would have been pushed much earlier in life. The same for you. Would you be on a different career path? Would you have a different set of friends? How different would your life have been? If you were super healthy since birth, what do you think your life would be like today? No health issues. That's something to wonder. But certainly, we can't change our past, but we can change our future. And that is exactly what Lauren will be helping us to do on the next episode. And speaking of healthier futures, you actually don't have to wait for the next episode to take your health to the next level because prevention is the best medicine. And that is what the Barnard Medical Center is all about. You can call and make a telemedicine appointment today if you live in any one of the following states, Arizona, Colorado, Florida, Georgia, Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Maryland, Massachusetts, Missouri, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and the nation's capital of Washington, D.C. If you live in any one of those locations, you can call and make an appointment today by visiting barnardmedical.org or call 202-527-7500, 202-527-7500 to visit with any one of our plant-based doctors and dietitians that can help take your health to that next level. And for this show, that's going to wrap things up. My thanks again to Dr. Neil Barnard and the plant-based MD, Dr. Judy Brangman, for joining us. And of course, to Marco Antonio Rahil for being here today and sharing his remarkable story. Walking away from millions to go vegan. You the man, Marco. For everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, stay safe, take a stand, and keep it plant-based. 